Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. You good? Glad you've been in church? Fantastic. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had Vision Sunday and we launched our theme for the year, which is Come, Follow Me. Repeat after me, Come, Follow Me. Quoting the very words of Jesus Christ Himself. And in keeping with this theme, we're starting a new series today called Followers. Can everyone say Followers? And if you would, please turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 is a, is a, a well-known passage. It's certainly one of my go-to passages of Scripture. And it says this, He has saved us and called us. This is the Apostle's, Apostle Paul's words to a younger believer. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ before the beginning of time. I love this passage for many reasons, but here's two. The first thing it says is that He saved us. And I don't know about you, but I have never lost the wonder of salvation. The fact that Jesus Christ came to planet Earth, lived a perfect life, showed the world what the Father looked like, showed the world what it is not to sin. He died for my sins. He died for my mistakes. He rose again on the third day. He lived on the planet six weeks after that and then ascended before many people's eyes, believers and unbelievers. And right now is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying on behalf of the church. I have never lost the wonder that I have salvation. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. It's just an incredible gift from God to me. Does anyone here feel grateful for their salvation this morning? I love it. It's not because anything we have done, it's purely by His grace. You know, justice is getting what we deserve. Justice is getting the punishment that we deserve. That's justice. If you want God to be just, if you're one of those justice people, like my wife, are there any justice people out there? You're just so mad when there's injustice in the world. That's a good thing. But know this, if you just see God as judge, we're all in trouble because we all deserve punishment. So you justice people, you need to be filled with something more than just the justice of God. We need the justice of God. I hate the injustice in the world. That's a good thing, but that leaves no hope for anybody. Because if it's about justice and justice alone, we all go to hell. None of us survive God's wrath. Justice is getting what we deserve and that's punishment. Mercy, on the other hand, is getting what we don't deserve and that's no punishment. It's being pardoned. That's an amazing thought. See, justice is good, but man, I I want mercy. I want mercy, not just justice. But there's something better than mercy and that's grace because grace is getting what we don't deserve and that's salvation. It's one thing to get punishment and that's what we deserve. It's another thing to be freed from the punishment that we deserve. It's a whole nother thing to get something we don't deserve and that is salvation. That is forgiveness of our sins. That's a fresh start and a new start to life. This is good news. And may we never, ever, ever, ever grow tired of the wonder of the fact that I've been saved. I have been saved. Jesus saved me through no works of my own. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I just find myself in this incredible, wonderful, privileged state 
that I'm saved. S-A-V-E-D, I'm saved. Reminds me of an old song we used to sing back in the 80s. Isn't that right, Pastor Danny? Isn't that right, Sharon? I'm sure your band would have done, I'm saved. S-A-V-E-D. Anyway, I believe it. I'm excited about being saved. But it gets better than that. If you think that's good news, it gets better. Everyone say better. The good news get better because it says we're not only saved, He's not only saved us, but He called us. He called us to be with Him. Relationship. When Jesus picked the 12 disciples, it wasn't to train them, it wasn't to equip them, it wasn't to release them, although He did all of those things. But first and foremostly, He chose them that He might be with them. When God chooses you, He chooses you not to do anything, but just to be with you. He just loves you. He just wants to be with you. When I fell in love with my wife and I said, I wanna get married to her, it was to be with her. Now we've gone on to do some exceptional things, but that wasn't why we got together. We got together because I just wanted to be with her. And I think sometimes we get in the pursuit and and we get married and and we go after the money and we go after this and we go after empires and we go after all these things and we fall out of love. May May we never ever fall out of love with our partner. May we never ever fall out of love with Jesus. Jesus chose us first and foremostly that He might be with us. Yes, there's training. Yes, there's equipping. Yes, there's correcting. Yes, there's adjusting. Yes, there's releasing. Yes, there's a job to be done. But on this foundation, to be with us. He's called us that we might be with Him. That's good news. But not only to be with us, but to be like Him. He wants us to do life with Him so closely that we actually become like Him. Anyone who knows me knows that I love my dad. I'm so appreciative of my dad. I actually got the opportunity to work with my dad. I did my apprenticeship with my dad and I worked for him many years after that. And we worked together even when I had my own business. Often we were sharing jobs and working together. And invariably when I would go on a job and I was standing next to my dad and I was chatting to the the customers, they would say, oh, you're a chip off the old block. I know whose son you are. You're Keith Rainbow's son. You, You look like him, you talk like him, you sound like him, you walk like him, you even sign right like him. I got to become like my dad because I spent a lot of time with my dad. That's a picture of what Jesus wants to do in us. Dad didn't say, you have to walk like this. You have to talk like this. You have to, I just just was hanging around him. And in hanging around him, I just kind of picked up some of his traits and I found myself becoming more and more like my dad. And that's not a bad thing. It was a good thing. And the more and more we hang around Jesus, guess what? He does a work in us and we become more like Him. It's not about what can I do? What can't I do? What can I do? That'll never get you close to Jesus. That'll give you a heart attack. That'll wear you out. But if you just hang around Jesus, invariably you're going to become more like Him. This is what we've been called to. We've been called to be with Him. We've been called to be like Him. And guess what? When you become like Him, you get to do things that Jesus did. So we're called to be with Him. We're called to be like Him. And we're called to do the things that Jesus did. It's not just about salvation. We we have been saved for a purpose. Os Guinness says this, calling is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but also of becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. 
We are called to live a life of purpose, on purpose. And I don't care if anyone has ever told you that you were an accident or that you were a mistake, or maybe your mum and dad have joked that you weren't planned. I want you to know this, that may all be true. But the greater truth, everyone say greater truth. The greater truth is God knows you. God chose you. And you're not an accident. You're not a mistake in God's eyes. You were born on time. You were born for such a time as this. We've been saved and called. And in order for us to be followers of Jesus, we have to settle this call. For us to truly embrace this theme for the year, for us to truly embrace the words of Jesus, come follow me, we have to settle something and we have to settle something today if we haven't already. Because I believe that many of us have settled the fact that He's Saviour, but we haven't necessarily settled the fact that He's Lord. Why wouldn't you settle the fact that He's Saviour? We get get salvation. But calling comes with responsibility. And we have to settle the fact that we are called. Any young man or young woman who wants to step into ministry and they ask me, what's the first thing I have to do? I I always say this, you have to settle the call. Because there's a world of pain ahead of you. And you have to settle the call. This is not a career. What I do up here, it's not a career, it's a calling. You have to settle the call. And every one of us, Christians in this place today or watching online, we are called. Your calling might look different to what I do, but we are called. And we have to settle the fact that we are called, that our life is not our own. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, when Christ calls a man or woman, He bids him to come and die. There's the good news for you this morning. (laughs) Let's come to Jesus and die. And so the subtitle of my message today is this, unfollow. We're talking about being followers, but I wanna look at this issue of unfollow. That's the subtitle today. Because when following Jesus, no matter who you are, we will all be tempted to push the unfollow button. In social media, we tend to follow people we like. We look at the photos, we look at their life, we like them or we we wanna become like them. And so we hit the follow button. We follow them, why? Because we like them, because we wanna become like them. And so we say, I'm gonna follow that person. I wanna lose some weight, they've lost some weight. I wanna follow them, I wanna become like them. I want the same story as theirs. That's essentially what we're doing with Jesus. I I wanna be with Him, I wanna be like Him. I wanna do the things He did. And so we follow. But this is what I also know about social media. The moment that person does something you don't like, the moment they say something you don't like, the moment something happens you don't like, the moment they ask you to do something, you wanna lose some weight, well, you know, you're gonna have to get up at 4 a.m. and you gotta try, well, unlike, I don't like that. And what are we tempted to do? Push the unfollow button. And just as we're tempted to push the unfollow button, and maybe if we're honest, have pushed a few. Have you, who here has ever unfollowed somebody? That's not a bad thing. <laughs> That's not a bad thing necessarily. But we're all tempted at times to push the unfollow button when it comes to 
following Jesus. And before we push that unfollow button, you need to ask, or sorry, answer one of life's most important questions. And the sooner you answer that question, the better off you will be. And so I wanna read from the book of John, chapter six. And before I get to the passage I wanna read, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a backstory prior to what we're about to read. Because just before what we're about to read, we see that Jesus fed the 5,000. That's 5,000 men. That's not including women and children. It could have been about 20,000 people that Jesus fed that day with five loaves and two fish. That's a miracle of miracles. So Jesus has done this incredible miracle. And then He gets into a boat because He wants to escape the crowd, have a bit of time out. When He gets to the other side, there's more people, more crowd. And they want from Jesus the miracles. They want from Jesus the fun stuff. And so Jesus takes this moment to do a little bit of a teaching. And He uses His ministry and He uses His life and He compares it to bread. He says, I am the bread of life. And they're like, what's that got to do with what we want from you? We just want miracles. I don't want a teaching necessarily. I certainly don't want you comparing yourself to bread. But Jesus nonetheless continues with this teaching. And He says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone wants to follow me, they must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And this is where we pick up the story. John chapter 6, verse 60. On hearing this, many of His disciples, now this isn't just the 12, there was more disciples than just the 12 apostles. Jesus had a, a, a number of people that were following Him and went by the term disciple. When they heard this, many of His disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that His disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where He was before? The Spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray Him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time on, many of His disciples turned back and no longer followed Him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are indeed the Holy One of God. Jesus is doing a teaching to a, a larger group of disciples and they didn't like the teaching. In actual fact, they were grossed out by this cannibalistic thought that we have to eat your flesh and drink your blood. And they said that this is a hard teaching. Can I just say this, that following Jesus is not always gonna be easy. Yeah. It's not always gonna be easy. Jesus never promised that it would always yeah. be easy. 
And instead of Jesus changing his mind, he says, does this offend you? Now he knew that it had offended them, but he doesn't back down. He doesn't change his mind. And he doesn't even try to explain himself. And as a result, many of the disciples stopped following him, turned around and walked away. They pushed the unfollow button. And now the 12 apostles are also watching this. They're listening to Jesus and they're watching, listening, watching, listening, watching. And they're thinking to themselves, I wasn't there, but I can only imagine that they're thinking to themselves, maybe we should unfollow him too. Because that crowd that is leaving, they were the buffer between us and the religious authorities. And now we don't have that buffer anymore. How does Jesus respond to all that's going on? He turns to the 12. With zero insecurity in his heart. He says, do you want to leave too? I mean, what a man. I mean, what a leader. I don't know about you. You see most of your followers leave. I'm tempted to say, come back. What I really meant, sorry. I, I certainly would be tempted to look at the few remaining followers and say, do you want to leave too? This is Jesus. This is our Saviour. This is our Lord. See, this account serves as a great teaching moment for all of us. Why? Because a day will come when we want to hit the unfollow button. I've certainly been there. I haven't done this many years just because I'm a pastor. In actual fact, being a pastor has given me more reason to push the unfollow button. If you have felt like pushing the unfollow button, you're in good company. There's some days I feel like I'm the president of that club. But what I know when it comes to why people unfollow, very few people unfollow Jesus because it's not true. Very few people I know came to the conclusion it's not true. Most people choose to unfollow Jesus because it's too hard. Not because it's untrue, but because it's too hard. You think about your tough moment. You think about that moment when you're ready to push the unfollow. It's not because you don't believe it. It's because it's just too flippin' hard. It's just asking too much of me. Can we get honest today? I know for me, I believe. The belief for me is never in question, but it's flippin' hard to follow Jesus, to love my enemies. Are you kidding me? Do you know why they're my enemies? They're my enemies for a reason, Jesus. I didn't ask for this, but the, the, I, don't, I don't like what you're asking me to do right now. Yeah. And I'm like, do I unfollow Jesus? Because following Him sucks at times. I've been there. You've been there. It's usually in times of trouble when someone dies, 
We've got two heroes on the front row here. To have their son taken from them, from them at such an early age, serving Jesus in the will of God. And here they are on the front row serving Jesus. But that's the time. That's a, that's a crucial time. Many people hit, I'm out of here. This is just too hard. Another time is in times of temptation, not only trouble, but temptation. It could be young love. Man, we've lost many a Christian to young love. It's like, I love you, Jesus. Ooh, she's all right. Come, come back, come back, come back, bye. I don't know why I'm looking over here. Just... This side of the room's all loved up. Everyone's just getting engaged. If you're sitting in those chairs, I'm telling you, there's something on those chairs, there's a high chance you're gonna get engaged sometime soon. I'm just saying. Oh, people are running over there now. Like, what the flipping? <laughs> Young love. Of course, people that unfollow Jesus. A new job. Yeah. Oh, it's a promotion. Where are you going? Is there a church there? No, but it's a promotion. So? You're going to go to a job and, and, and no, concept, no thought of a church? No job is worth that. Oh, there's this little church. <laughs> I think they're saved. I'm not sure what they preach. No, that's not enough. But many people do it. Promotion, unfollow. Young love, unfollow. Death in the family, unfollow. Starting a family. You know, I don't know anyone who's built a golden calf in the recent future, in the recent times. I don't know of anyone, if you have. Love to know where you got the gold from, but anyway. <laughs> but I don't know of anyone who's built a gold calf. But if I was to translate Moses' times into today, I would say our golden calf are our kids. These blessings, these miracles. We, we have prayed for people that are barren and we pray and God sovereignly moves and, and they're able to have children. And when, they get, when the baby's born, we never see them anymore because they're too busy playing mum and dad and families. And, and you know, this is just so comfortable and we unfollow. Transition is another time people tend to unfollow. A new phase of life, unfollow. You know, when I was younger, I used to serve and when I was younger, I used to do this and when I was younger, I used to that. But now I'm in a new phase of life and now, now I don't do anything. Yeah. Older people, listen to me, we need you. Yeah. We need you following now more than ever before. Yeah. We need you following now more than ever before. Yeah. If you serve long and hard in youth and you're a little bit tired from that, I get that. How you serve may look different, but we need you serving. Yeah. We need you following. Why? Because the younger ones need an older voice. Yeah. They need a wiser voice. Yeah. They need spiritual moms. They need spiritual yeah. dads. They need spiritual grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. They need that. Yeah. There's no retirement in the Kingdom of God. It might look different. Yeah. But let not this phase of transition be somewhere where we unfollow. Yeah. Let it be a new season where we serve again. Yeah. Where we follow. It might be different, but we're still following. And when it comes to hitting the unfollow button, I'm not just talking about leaving Him. I'm not talking about just backsliding. I'm talking about where we back off. Yeah, so where we just follow out of convenience. So 
I felt God say this to me, He doesn't want a hollow follow. God doesn't want your hollow follow. Some of you are sitting here listening to me, oh, that's fine, that's, this is obviously something else, I'm here, aren't I? No, 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 you can be here and not be following Jesus. You, you can be here and still not in the will of God. Because God doesn't want partial obedience. See, being obedient in an area doesn't give you licence to be disobedient in another. Partial obedience is often driven by comfort. I'll do what I'm comfortable doing. You know, I love reading my Bible. I sound like going to church. I just read my Bible. That's awesome that you read your Bible. You should read your Bible. That's fantastic. But it should not stop you going to church just because you're a bookworm. Praise God for the bookworms out there. But we need you in church. That's partial obedience. You know, these disciples that left Jesus, they were doing a lot of good things. They were being obedient in a lot of areas just by virtue of being where they were in the desert that they listened to Jesus. They weren't total uh, in disobedience. It's just that Jesus is saying, I I don't want partial obedience. I want to be readers of the Word. I want you to be people that get to church. I want you to be people that serve, people that give. But partial obedience is driven by comfort. It's... uh, it's driven by reality. I can't afford to give. Yeah. I get that, that's a reality. But why do you think the Bible is so full of stories yeah. of people in their poverty giving? Yeah. Because what Jesus is trying to say and what God's trying to get our attention on is don't let your reality stop yeah. you doing what I'm asking you to do. Yeah. That widow's offering where she gave two pennies and all these rich people came and gave much and they were rebuked. Do you remember that story? Yeah. And the reason they were rebuked is because the rich gave what they will never miss. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the widow gave what she couldn't afford. Yeah. Yeah. Paul talks in Corinthians about the Macedonian church. They gave out of their extreme poverty. He didn't say, no guys, you can't afford to do this here. No, they said, that's, that's right. Yeah. Let's not allow our reality to rob us of following Him. It may be harder. And that's why we need to be part of church because we can receive the love and the mercy and the grace and the encouragement that we need to do the tough things. And the third thing that partial obedience is driven by is indifference. Lukewarmness, passivity, apathy, to do the bare minimum. What's the least I have to do? You know that age old conversation around can a Christian lose their salvation? I worked out a long time ago that most of that conversation is driven by what's the least I have to do and still be saved. Most people want to know what's the least I have to do and still get to heaven. Do I have to come to church? Do I have to give a tenth? Can I give 1%? And if I can give 1%, then my next question, my real question is, do I have to give it all? We're always looking to do the least. And that leads to partial obedience. I'm happy to do what I like doing I'm happy to do what I'm comfortable with. And so all the Enneagram 2, Enneagram 2 people, they love to help. They're like Martha's. Martha must have been an Enneagram 2. She loved to help. And we love to serve and we love to help. And that, that's great. But God's not asking us just to help. Yeah. So Martha, I just need you to sit and, and worship. No, 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 I don't want to do that. No, no, I, I need you to do that. 
That's you just being partially obedient. I need you to be fully obedient. Wholehearted, devoted followers of Jesus. I've said all that to say this. Peter's answer to Jesus' question is profound. He essentially asks himself three questions. And these are three questions we all need to ask ourselves if we are to settle the call. And the first one is simply this. If not you, then who? I'm sure Peter felt like unfollowing Jesus in that moment. But he was governed. He was restrained by this thought. If not you, Jesus, then who? You are the one who holds the words of life. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? I think Peter's saying, yeah, I wanna go. I just don't know who else I can go to. Because as much as this sucks, all the other options suck more. To whom else can we go? To whom else can we go? If I back away from you, then who? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. You're the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the one that was prophesied about standing before us. I don't like it, but where else can we go? See, if you choose not to follow Jesus, you will choose to follow someone or something else. And you've got to weigh up, is that really worth it? At times it's hard to follow Jesus. Maybe that's true for you right now. But you must think about who you're going to before you push that unfollow button. Secondly, if not this, then what? You have the words of eternal life, Peter said. I've seen the signs. We've seen the wonders. Seen the miracles. I've seen how you help people. Peter's reminding himself of the benefits. Peter's reminding himself of the things that have happened. One of the Psalms says, forget not all His benefits. It's good that we remind ourselves of what took place in days, weeks, months and years gone by. That if we are in a dry season, we can hold on to those things. I twisted my ankle last week. It was blown up, it was black and I could not walk on it. It was so bad that when I got to the airport, Kath organised a wheelchair for me. And she wheeled me around the airport, which actually served a great purpose because we got through customs real easy. It was a little embarrassing, but overall it proved to be a great thing. I got onto the plane uh, and I was in agony. My foot was throbbing the whole time. And on the plane, I went to sleep. I was just so exhausted. I hadn't slept the night before. Uh, I was just exhausted from the pain. I was exhausted from just shuffling around. And I got on the plane and I crashed about half an hour. Not crashed on the plane. We was okay, we, we landed. <laughs> but I went to sleep and I woke up. And I just, I'm like, I didn't feel the throbbing in my foot. I needed the bathroom, so I got up and I just found myself walking normally. It's like God supernaturally healed yeah. me yeah. while I was sleeping. Yeah. Do you know God does some of His best work while we're sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to ever forget that. I remember having a hip replacement. Now, if you've ever watched those videos where they do hip replacements, it's not pretty. There's soaring and there's hitting and there's knocking. 
boom, and just there's all this stuff. And, and, and I come out of I come out of surgery, and, and they say, Mr. Ramey, we want to try and get you up on your feet as soon as possible. Here's a walking frame. And so I stood up and I was walking, and I didn't know how to use this walking frame. And I just said, Well, why do I need the walking frame when I can just walk? I had no pain. They were, they were trying to give me all these drugs. And, and I said, I actually, I'm not trying to tough it out. I just, I just don't need them. I said, I'm happy to take them for later. I might need them later. Some of the people I deal with, they, they might need it then. <laughs> but right now, I don't need it for my hip. So if you can just bag those little babies up, that'd be fine. <laughs> You've got so many incredible stories. Yeah. And you do too. Yeah. And even if they're not yours, the great thing about being part of this collective, there are so many stories yeah. that we can draw yeah. encouragement yeah. off. You don't want to do this life alone. We need each other to help us hold and not give up. Are you with me? You might be in a tough place right now, but don't leave. Don't leave. You've got to ask this, what am I going to? If, if, if not this, then what? Marriage? New job? Eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow we die? That, that's, that's not an alternative for me. To quote my dad, I grew up with this saying, backslide? Backslide to what? This whole message has been birthed out of that one line. When it was tough for Dad, I heard him say, backslide? Backslide to what? And I just took on that notion, backslide? Backslide to what? I'm sounding like my dad, this is crazy. If not this, then who? If not this, then what? And number three is the band come. If not now, then when? Peter drew a line in the sand that day. Today's the day. Following Jesus is not all about you. Following Jesus is not all about your comfort. Can't keep giving in the moment it gets tough. It's going to get tough. Interest rates are on the rise. This world is broken. It's not operating the way God intended it to originally. We will have our tough days. We might have our tough moments. We might even have a tough life. There are many Christians who are having a tough life right now. They're fighting for their life. They're fighting to stay alive because of the regime in which they live under. But they've drawn a line in the sand. See, following Jesus will cost you something. But refusing to follow Him will cost you everything. Yeah. And that's the price I'm just so not yeah. willing so to pay. Yeah. This message isn't a message for me. It's my life. Yeah. It's my go-to. It's what's held me. And I'm so grateful I've been able to stand my ground and not give up when it's tough. Yeah. Because I've seen people who do that. Yeah. And they might have a short period of fun. But I've seen over the years, it proves to never be a good decision. The longer people are away from Christ, it never proves to be a good decision. And yet the longer I stay in Christ, when I look back at that moment, I could have given up. The longer I get away from that, it proved to be a great decision that I didn't give up. Following Jesus hasn't always been easy for me, but it has always been worth it. And I'm sure I'm in a good company of people when I say that. That it hasn't always been easy, but it has been worth it. Can you just 
Come up here, Ashari, very quickly. More importantly, can you hand me this precious little gift of yours? I'm 54 years of age, yet to become a granddad. <laughs> no pressure, you take your time. You take your time. I'm just going to be a great uncle in the meantime. I always thought I was a great uncle, now I'm officially a great uncle. Uh oh, don't prove me wrong. Where, where's the dummy? I'm 54 years of age, done a few things, but I can't give up, I can't settle down, I can't back off. Do you know why? Because people are watching. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Z's watching. Yeah. Yeah. She's watching. Yeah. Maybe not now, she's got her eyes shut. But... <laughs> But the older she gets, she's gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna see examples. She doesn't want to see her great uncle just being an uncle. I want to be great. I want to be great by name. I want to be a great uncle to her. I want to show her what it is to stand when people let you down. I want to show it is what not to give up. I want to show it is what going to church is really about. It's not about me. Yeah. If you don't like the worship, newsflash, we're not here to worship you. Yeah. I, I don't come to church for me, although I get a lot out of it, but I'm not here for me. Yeah. I'm here for Z. I'm here for Dan and Shari. I'm here for Betty. I know this, that if no one else would miss me, Betty would miss me. Yeah. So I've got to come. Yeah. Got to come. People are watching. Yeah. I don't want to be there. I don't want to not be there on the Sunday that that person gets healed that we've been praying for for years. Uh, yeah. I don't want to miss the day that baby Z's dedicated, baptised. It's not about me. Some of your friends don't know Jesus yet, but they will. And I want to be there on that Sunday to, to celebrate with you. I don't want to miss that. I'll put up with some atrocious worship. I'll put up with songs I don't even like to see that moment. And we don't have atrocious worship. I mean, we're blessed. There's so much to keep following Him. Outside of the fact, Jesus asked us to. I thought I'd start with the tough one today because everything that we're asked to do as followers is going to cost you something. It's going to hurt you something. It's going to demand something from you. And unless you settle this, you're not going to like it. Do you know why people don't come to church? Not because they don't believe in church, but because they were hurt. That's the main reason people don't come to church anymore, because they were hurt. Yeah. And we minimise the power of Jesus. We minimise the power of yeah. what forgiveness could yeah. be. Yeah. 
If this church has hurt you, I'm sorry. But it's also hurt me too. But I'm not going to let that hurt stop me. Following Jesus and doing what He's asked me to do. Do you know Jesus went to church every week? Might have looked different. Might have been on a different day. But His temple was church. His Saturday is our Sunday. And so if we want to be with Jesus, become like Him and do what He did, it's going to end up you serving. It's going to end up you coming to church. It's going to end up you tithing. And we're not going to do it and get resentful for the church because we never did it for the church. We did it because we're following Jesus. I can never be upset with the church because I didn't do it for the church. I did it for Jesus. And He'll never let me down. He's never let me down. Because He's done far more than I'll ever do. My best day is His worst day. He, he's, just, he's just worth following. I love you guys, but I'm not here for you guys, but I am. And when you settle it, that's when the joy comes. That's when the purpose comes. You stand with me this morning? Just for the record, back to sleep. Great uncle. We need you. Jesus needs you. He doesn't need us because He could do it himself, but He chooses to use us. I remember when our kids were much younger, we'd be in the garden doing a bit of weeding and gardening. And invariably the kids would be out there helping me. They weren't helping me, they were a pain in the neck. But what I loved at that moment, I just loved them being with me. And I feel like God could do a much better job of saving the world than us, but He chooses to use us. I hope this has been helpful. I hope it hasn't been too heavy. But this message is a life message for me. And it's the message that's held me. It's held me. If not Jesus, then who? If not this, Christianity, then what? And if not now, then when? God is doing something in the earth today. Every past I talk to, same thing. Everywhere, different denominations, different parts of the world, God is doing something. We've had three years of isolation, three years of separation, three years of absolute craziness, and God is kindly pouring out His Spirit, and I don't want us to miss it. It's time to draw a line in the sand. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.